So today we're in Isaiah, Isaiah 64, and we're talking about the potter's hands. So I want to read verse 8 for you one more time. It says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We're all the works of your hands. I couldn't help but think about when we were doing the Lord's Prayer I shared this last week with Grace Vision, and I know I've shared it with our CR group several times, but there was a, a young parent, single parent, and they were raising their child, and they were teaching them that you eat, then you take a bath, then you do your Lord's Prayer, and then you go to sleep. And then one day they were getting clothes out of the dryer, and they couldn't quite get back there quick enough, and so they were coming up the stairs, and they heard this tiny voice. So they snuck up the stairs, and they were listening by the door. And this tiny voice trying to say the Lord's Prayer says, And forgive us our trash baskets, as we forgive those who pass trash against us. The words of a child can hit you straight to the heart. And I'll, I'll be honest, there's times now when we're saying the Lord's Prayer, I have to catch myself. I really do. Because how many times have we been the ones carrying around trash baskets? And how many times have we been the one passing trash and then lifting them up, oh, I'm going to pray for you as we're holding that trash basket. I think that story fits with going back to the potter's hands when we need that, that helping hand to make us into the vessel that he created us to be. So let's go with a little history, a little background first. So from this spot, the prophet who was speaking on behalf of the people both admitted that the people had rejected God, but also called on God to be present in their lives. Asking God, we know we've been rebellious. We know we have not fully followed your will, but we're asking you on behalf of your people, help us to get back on the narrow path. And this concludes with the affirmation of God's relationship with his people, and it gives the full vision of the father and the potter. Now the father leading, but also the potter helping to mold. And that's what we do with our children. So in Isaiah chapters 56 through 66, this actually reflects a moment in Israel's history where they, were, they had so many struggles. They were returning back to Jerusalem from being in exile. And this was after the decree of King Cyrus. And as this ended, so many came back to rebuild a crumbling kingdom. Are there areas in your life where you feel like you're having to rebuild a crumbling kingdom? Something that you gave to God that you were going to serve God with? And then it felt like it was crumbling and you had to return to him for wisdom and clarity of how to keep going forward? You see, when they were confronted with difficult times, there was a shift in their hopefulness. And that's in Isaiah chapters 40 through 55. But it was coupled with doubt and lament. So now as we get to Isaiah chapter 64, starting with verses 1 through 9, the, the prophet invokes this ancient just image of the Lord being this mighty cosmic divine warrior who, according to Israel's memories, was very victorious, and he would come down to their aid at any point. With this tone of this, this vision the prophet is pleading with the Lord to act just as he did before. In verse 1 it says, 
Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. What follows is actually a little bit of a contradiction because you see the people's belief in God has started falling down a little bit. They had almost looked as if God was absent in their life. I remember growing up and my dad, who I lost a year ago, he would say, the teacher's always quiet during the test. I'm like, what is that? Just tell me what I need to know. He's like, no, I need to see what you're going to do with this first. Then I can help you. Then I can show you. But you've got to do this first. Well, that's what is happening here in this scripture. You see, as they've struggled and they're praying for God's mercy and his guidance, it still goes back to what is Israel doing? You see, all of Israel had become one of unclean. And this goes back to Ezekiel chapter 14. It's as if they were clothed in filthy cloths because of their righteousness, their deeds, their pride. You see, the prophet names the cold, hard reality of the people's relationship with God and says, there is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you. You see, the covenantal relationship that God has with his people was in danger here. The people were severing the relationship. The space between the two had become so unbridgeable that it clearly looked like God was absent in their life. They'd been defiled. They were living unholy lives. But at this point when this, this just brokenness appears, it appears to be so wide and so deep that it's like an ocean they can't even cross. In verse 8 it says, But now, and the NRSV version says, yet, that's a turning point. When all hope seems lost and that there's no connection anymore between God and his people, they feel like they've drifted so far away from him. The prophet then comes through and reminds them, yet, O oh Lord, with a plea, you are our father. It's a decree. You are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. And he goes on to say, we are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry with us, O Lord, and do not remember our iniquities forever. Have you been in a situation in your life where you're like, God, I, I've strayed, but I'm begging you, let me come back. It makes me think of the prodigal son where he's like, I'm so unworthy. I've done so much wrong. How will he let me come back? But this plea is for God's mercy and it's for everyone. Everyone to come back into God's will. You see, when you think about clay, clay is an amazing thing. When it's soft, it's moldable, it can be shaped into many different things. One is that a, a good potter can turn clay into bowls and plates and cups and vases and decorations and pictures and statues and on and on and on. The potter takes his time making these images out of the clay. He puts more clay in the spots where it's weak and takes other clay away where there's too much. In our lives, God stretches us 
He prunes us. He grows us. And it's not always a great venture. I've had times in my life where I'm like, God, if this isn't right, just close the door. Just prune it. Just take it away. And then I have to grieve the loss of people in my life because God's removed them. While they never intended to be a stumbling block for my ministry and pursuing what I'm supposed to be doing, they were. And I had to humble myself to God's will and say, it's your will, not mine. But he always comes back and surrounds me with more people to speak life into that situation. That's God adding the clay into our lives. And if the clay doesn't turn out exactly as he envisioned it, then he'll crush it back down and start all over. Steve told the story this morning about someone who was working in, in finance and doing great. And at a very young age, he had, to, he had to file bankruptcy. He had to be broken all the way down so that he could be built back up, and that was Dave Ramsey. See, during this time, we must, we must continually be moldable by God. So when clay starts out, it's dry, it's crumbly, it's brittle. You can't master it. If it's too dry, it won't shape correctly, it's worthless, and it has to be thrown out. I know areas of my life are exactly like that. Just as we are dust from the earth, we're filled with water and with blood that gives us purpose in life. If you look throughout the Bible, the Holy Spirit is shown as oil or water. That's to bring that moisture back into our our clay, if you will, so that we can be moldable. Because without God in our life, we will simply dry up and we can't be shaped, we can't be molded, and we will be consumed by this world. So as a believer, we must allow God's Holy Spirit to be in our lives every day. We must go to the well every day. We must drink the living water every day. And allow him to mold us and shape us into the vessel that he created us to be. And during this time of being molded, it is painful. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. But we must return to the potter's clay. Back to where he puts us on the wheel and starts shaping us and molding us again. God will take clay out of our life. He'll bring clay into our life until he molds us to look more and more like Jesus. You are the image of Jesus in progress. Many grow cold. Many don't enjoy the stretching and pruning. I didn't. It was very hard. And honestly, many will refuse to allow God to do the work in their lives. A couple questions here. Where are you today? Are you the clay that allows God to continue to mold you and grow you and, and shape you? Or are you refusing? Are you saying, I'm comfortable where I'm at, God. I like where I'm at, God. Let me stay right here. See, for me, this is a very humbling verse because I've had to learn that if I'm comfortable, I'm not where God wants me to be. If I'm content, I'm not where God wants me to be. If I'm happy right in this medium that I'm not in God's will. But when I'm anxious, when I'm nervous, when I don't know what I'm fixing to do and the Holy Spirit takes over, even with that anxiety, I breathe because I'm right where God wants me to be and he will give me the words 
to deliver to the heart that he's prepared to hear already. I don't have to stress over it. My life is the work of God's hands. Your life is the work of God's hands. And just like clay in the potter's hands, he molds us, he makes us, he will break us down in areas that are necessary, he'll refine us, and he will shape us. God will use everything in your life for the kingdom. Give you another quick story real quick. There was a man who was a military man. He was in the Navy and he had retired. Career military man. He had never married, never had children. Always lived on a ship. Loved it. And it came time, they're like, no, seriously, you have to retire now. He's like, no, I still want to be here. He's like, no, no, no. We need you to retire. It's good. You're good. You can retire. So he finds himself on land all of a sudden. Now he's got to buy a house. Now he's got to buy a car. Well, now he's got to find a job. So tell you how old this story is. He goes to get the newspaper to look at the classifieds to find a job. And as he's going through, it says a shipping yard. They need a, a manager for all the containers that are coming in and out. He's like, okay, I can be at the shipping yard. That's probably going to make me happy. So he goes in and he's sitting there and the room is full of men. Nobody's talking and he's sitting there for the longest and he's looking and all of a sudden he gets up and he walks across the room. A few minutes later he comes out and he leaves. Well a few minutes after that someone comes in and says, okay we've hired them, you're, you're good and the whole room erupted. What do you mean you haven't talked to us? What are you talking about? He said, the whole time you've been here, there's been SOS overhead. And he said, if you can hear this and you understand this, get up, walk across the room, go into the, what's labeled as the manager's office. You're hired. God will use everything in your life as he prunes you, stretches you, grows you to continue your journey as his vessel, carrying living water to all those who are searching for hope. I have to share that story quite often in recovery because people say I've, I've fallen out of God's will. There's no way he can use me. There's no way I'm worthy. There's no way he could love me. But he does. And I've seen people in recovery come through those doors. And in less than a year later, some of them are anchored into the church and they're serving or they've gone back to school and got their education, now they're peer counselors. God is using that old life that the enemy was trying to destroy them through in order to have them go into areas to speak life into people. Let's be honest that many people wouldn't venture to talk to. I served in a jail ministry for many years, and we never knew what we were going to walk into. And I walked in this one day, and this lady was just angry. Just angry. And she told us, don't hug me, don't touch me, don't get close to me. I don't need your jail Jesus. I'm like, well, my Jesus is in jail with me here with y'all, but he goes everywhere with me. He's not just in here. And as she's going off on me and not wanting to hear a word I say, the lady that was standing beside me says, you need to sit down. And I thought, oh, get the guard. Here we go. This isn't going to be good. She said, I spent 13 months on the bunk you're sitting down on. And it changed. 
She listened. Even though the lady that went in with me was so ashamed to go back to this jail and she was petrified to hear those doors locked behind us. God used her. He stretched her and molded her and grew her into something new, into a new vessel to carry living water into that jail. And a year and a half later, when that second lady got out, she came to our recovery ministry with open arms, thanking us for not giving up on her. I said, it wasn't us. Jesus said, go. We just went. We didn't know who we were going to see. That's all Jesus. And he's not just a jail Jesus. He is the real deal. But you've got to surrender the areas of your life, the ones that we like, the ones that we're comfortable with, the ones that we don't want him in that area. So many times we say, yeah, Jesus, I need you. Come to me. But don't mess with this area. I got this under control. Whatever is going on in our lives, we need to think about the details. Do these details honor God? And if not, that's an area of our life that we need to surrender back into the potter's hands so that he can shape us and mold us and grow us. You see, the posture of the clay is important. Just as we come into God's presence with a posture of prayer, with humble hearts on bended knee at the foot of the cross, we have to come into the presence of the potter with words of make me, mold me, grow me, shape me for whatever your will is, God. That's when beauty happens. Now, Isaiah 64, it's very clear. It says, God, you are our father. That's hard for some people, especially those that didn't grow up with a great father figure. And they want to give him other names, and that's, I'll be honest, it makes my skin cringe a little bit because scripture says what it says. But I do believe part of our purpose is to show them that God's not going to abuse them or leave them the way someone else did. Sometimes our greatest gift of carrying living water is just to be present. Sometimes it's not to have any words. But if we are clay in the hands of the potter, we are to fully trust him. He is merciful. He is graceful. And what scripture is saying that the Lord created man in his image. He built him. He made him. He formed him in his own likeness. Humanity fell. We fell away. But we can trace our roots all the way back to through Noah to Seth, the son of Adam, to the son of God, the whole human race goes back to being in the potter's hands when he scooped up that dust and breathed life into us. I'm thankful that God doesn't give up in times when we're prideful, when we're rebellious, when we're disobedient. I've had times where I am a kingdom brat. I'm kicking and screaming, I don't want to do it. And the Holy Spirit says, okay, get that out of your system. Hurry up, we're still going to do it my way. He doesn't give up on us. No matter where we're at in our struggles, God gradually reveals himself more and more, just like he did to the nation of Israel. 
cares for us like the good shepherd. He adopted us as his own. Like Adam, we've all been rebellious, we've been prideful, we've been disobedient. Yet, Lord, you are our Father. When you look back at all the things that God's done through Scripture for his people, even the harsh things where he had to correct them, his loving kindness is always there. When you recall all the ways that the enemy tries to pull us away, God is still pursuing us. God is still warning us. God is still trying to reveal to us. No matter where you're at in your life, I want to ask you a simple question. Have you fully surrendered every area to God? Have you fully given him everything? Because no matter what the enemy tries, God's creation continues. But as we close the message, I want to close with this prayer that was written based upon Isaiah 64. It says, Oh God, we are in your hands. Our lives are the work of your hands. My life, every life. As we pray, God, we are there surrendering all, submitting to your hands so that you can shape us, mold us, grow us into whatever your will is. God, we confess it's, it's not always easy. We confess to you that sometimes the pruning and the stretching and the growing is hard. It's not always a way that we would choose or a way that we understand. But God, even in the midst of our pain of being pressed in this way, even broken in some ways, we look at you and we know we can trust you for you're working all things for our good. God, you love us. You care for us. We're in awe of how you love your children unconditionally, even in our rebellion. God, we pray that whatever it is in us, with us, around us, that it is only of you. God, lead us however you will lead us. Teach us to yield to you as we confess our hearts. Teach us to yield to you as we pray for others. God is clay. You are our potter. You want nothing but us to have a noble kingdom purpose. God, use us to accomplish your will so that everything we do will glorify your name. God, help us to stop wasting our lives in rebellion against your work and help us to point people back to you so they can live in the mercy and the grace and the hope that you have poured out upon us. God, help us to trust in the areas where we feel like we need to hold on. God, your handiwork is bowing at the foot of the cross. And we ask all things in the precious and holy name of your risen Son. Amen.